Okay, welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. We're here live on Gimel Shabbat, Wednesday afternoon, January 13th. And we are back on video live. If you'd like to watch this video on jrootradio.com, you could watch us, you could see us right now, filming live. Okay, we are not going to, you know, we were told that the, the introductions are too long, so we're just going to give you the text number, 347-927-8398. If you have any text, any uh, questions through text, we'll be able to answer Razat Hashim in the middle of the class, of course, if it's pertaining to the class. And all other inquiries and comments and speeches and whatever that may be, would like to hear your feedback, please call in at the end of the class. We'll give you the numbers again. We are in the Halakhot of Shabbat, the Halakhot of Mukseh. I believe we have done 15, perhaps this is the 16th class on Mukseh, and there will be still more. We are going very slow. We're trying to elaborate on a subject that's very, very difficult. And Baruch Hashem, I think we've, we've been doing good so far. We've done, we covered a lot. We've covered most of the Halakhot Mukseh and certainly most of the practical cases. We still have a few more to finish up. And speaking of finishing up, we want to finish up the Halakhot that we spoke about last week, Graf Shelra'i, and continue into the Halakhot of this week. So if you're listening now, keep, stay tuned because we'll be discussing something that's very, very important. We hope that Azat Hashem to give a clarity on this Halakha exactly what the opinions are and how to go about it, the halakha and the subject of toys and balls like soccer balls and footballs and, and basketballs and golf balls and you know all the different types of sports. What is the deen? What is the halakha? What does the halakha tell us when it comes to those items regarding mukse and everything else that has to do with it? That will be the subject of today after we finish up the laws of Graf Shadrahi. So let's review a little bit. Not so much, but a little bit of what we discussed last week. Of course, you have to go to last week's archives to, you know, to hear the whole discussion in full. We discussed last week the halakha of Graf Shadrei, which is a din that's found in the Gemara. In general, mukse Mahmad gufo, anything that is mukse because in itself is not, it's not a utensil. It has no function. It's not used for anything, like dirt, rocks, stones, or all these kind of things. The rule is that it's mukse and it's forbidden to be handled completely not let's sort of go for not let's talk and like all other mukse anything that's forbidden to move around it's permitted to move it in an indirect way mean to say in an abnormal way let's say if something is normally handled by your hands which is most items you could kick it a stone usually people move it with their hands so if you want to kick it to the side it's fine that's mukse Muhammad gufo there is a heter that's found in the Gemara regarding Muqsim Ahad Gufo. That means, although something could be completely forbidden, it has no function, yet we still find there are ways you, you, that you would be able to move it on Shabbat. And that is if it's called, if it falls into the category known as Graf Shelra'i. What is Graf Shelra'i? Literally means it's a party. That's pretty much how it translates in nowadays. It's a party. It's something that's made to hold the waste of animals. So basically, the category of graf shadrayi, as we explained last week, is anything that is disgusting, disgusting to the person. It's repulsive. So the halakha tells us that although something is mukse mahmad gufo and under normal circumstances, I would not be able to handle that. I would not be able to move it in a normal way if it's in the category of graf shirai, meaning to say if it's repulsive, I may pick it up in my own bare hands. I don't need to move it with the side of my foot to kick it to the side. I could actually pick it up in my own hands. Some of the examples that we explained last week of graf shirai are a dead rodent. You see a dead rat. You could pick it up with your hands if you're brave enough, right? Okay. But you can pick it up with your own bare hands. You don't need to sweep it up. You don't need to kick it to the side. You can actually pick it up. That is an example. Another common example would be when the kids make, forgive me to use the mashal again, but it's grapsarari. It has something disgusting, so I have to use something that's disgusting as a mashal. So if the kids make, they make number one, number two, and the dirty diapers, all those fall under the category of grapsarari. Most people, it bothers them. 
like we said last week, Graf Shanai does not have to be something so repulsive that you can't stand it. It could be already something that eeks you and it bothers you. You can't be in the same room with it. So therefore, another halakha that we find in Graf Shanai is that it has to be, in order for you to have the heter, to remove Muqseh Mahabd Gufal, which falls under the category of Graf Shanai, it has to be also in the place that you commonly use on Shabbat. If you commonly use it, but not on Shabbat, it does not fall in the category of Graf Shanai. So we give the example with the attic. If you happen to walk into the attic, or you happen to walk in one of the storage rooms in your basement to pick up a bottle of soda, and then you notice over there a dead rodent, you have no idea to remove it. Although it's disgusting and repulsive, but still, it does not, it's not a room that you use, that you commonly use. Even though, yes, I walk in and out of it, but it's not a room that you sit on and you, you know, you, you, you basically use it on a regular basis. Going in and out of a room just to get something that's not qualified to be a room that it's called commonly used. Commonly used should not be misunderstood that, yeah, I walk in there, of course, when I need a soda, I walk in there. No, commonly used refers to over here that I actually use it to sit on on Shabbat, whether I relax, I eat, whatever it may be. Not just something that, like a closet where I walk in and out of it. However, we did give another head tear. When you find the Graf Shadrai in an area which you don't commonly use, the heter is only with the following two conditions. Number one, it has to be something that may cause you a financial loss. Number two, is that in order to be able to consider, let's say, this attic as a Graf Shadrai, even though you don't normally use it, you have to actually use it. Sit down, bring your chair, sit down over there for a few minutes, and then feel the, the disgusting thing that's next to you, that eeks you, and then you can have the permission to pick it up. These are some of the halakhot that we spoke about last week regarding Graf Shadrai. We also mentioned at the end that only something that is physically repulsive is qualifies for Graf Shadrai. But something that's spiritually repulsive, that doesn't qualify for Graf Shadrai. Meaning, we explained forbidden magazines. Ah, don't go too far with, uh, with the word forbidden. Forbidden means, like we explained, things that you're not allowed to read on Shabbat, things that have commercials and advertisements. The other ones, has for shalom, that they should be in your house or in your proximity. Your kefah Hashem won't bring it in your way. In any case, for magazines that you're not allowed to read on Shabbat, because they have advertisements, they have subjects that are not for Shabbat to be read, those, although it's spiritually damaging, it's not supposed to be there, it bothers, you know, you might look at it, you don't have the permission to handle it with your hand. Anything that doesn't qualify for Graf Shari and it's Mukseh Ahmad Gufo, although you can't handle it with your hands, we come back again, we stress the rule. You could move it in an abnormal way between your elbows, you could kick it, you could pick it up with your foot, do what you like to be able to remove it. Those are some halakhot of Graf Shari. We'll continue this week in the same subject. Halakha Dalit in the Benishayim Parashat Vayigash. The halakha speaks about over here the actual graf shadrai. And as you know, the word graf and abit are pretty much what we would call a party. But in those days, just to take you back a little bit in time and give you a little bit of appreciation of the lifestyle that we live in. In the olden days, if a person wants to go to the bathroom, you just you don't go pick a room in the in the in the in the house and you know you do what you gotta do, and then everything's clean, you, spl- you spray Lysol and you're good enough to go. No, it doesn't work that way. There was no, you know, sewer uh, system that we have today. Today, you flush, ends up in Staten Island, let them worry about it. You're fine over here in Brooklyn. Over there, back then, the only way to do it is either to actually physically go out of the house, go to a certain designated area in your backyard, in the forest, in the woods, or I don't want to say neighbor's house, but, you know, it could possibly be. And over there, you know, let, you know, answer your nature call over there. That's one way that was done. Another way, which is if a person was a little bit wealthier, you go sometimes to some of these big mansions and those castles from the you know, olden days, pre-sewer system days. And you see, they would have a designated room where they'd use as a bathroom, but they wouldn't just keep the waste on the floor. They'd have a special bucket to use it. And of course, if it's days which are cold and the winter and everything else, of course, they had to use a special bucket even in a small house because it was too cold to keep on going outside every time you know, somebody needs a bathroom. So like we said, identical to what the children today use, what we know as parties. So therefore, what did they do in those 
days with those parties after they get filled up. They would take them and they would empty them out. And this is where the whole concept of Grasurai comes in. Then when it's full and you need to, you know, get rid of it, you have to pick it up. Oh, it's a book say. Yes, it's a book say, but something disgusting because you need to use it again. So you have to pick it up and throw it out. Now in the case, the halakha tells us when a person took the bucket that's full, he went outside, he threw it out where he threw it out, where it's, you know, out of harm's way. And then he wants to bring it back. Why did they have to bring it back? The pot that you're using over here, or the party is disgusting. It's all full of uh, waste. So in order to be able to bring it back, the halakha tells us that you have to fill it up with water. And since that water could technically be given to animals to drink, so therefore they allowed it over here in the combination with water and the bucket together to bring it back to your house. And you don't have the problem of picking up and handling the bucket. This is how the halakha is brought down. However, the Ahronim point out that this halakha, if you're reading it in Shohan Aruch, if you heard about it, you should not only applies when the bucket itself was either made out of earthenware, not like the China that we have today, China we have today is even fancier, or if it was made out of wood, where we all know things that get dirty like that and they commonly use, it's very hard to clean them. Although you may flush them with water a little bit, but they get, they get stuck on them and it's very, very disgusting. The Ahronim already discussed in their days, if a person has a, let's call it, not a quarter party, but basically he has a bucket, which he uses for waste in those days, and it was made out of glass, or if it was made out of metal, those things can be cleaned very easily. You just put some water on it, and that's it. It gets cleansed, and you have no problem bringing it back. It's not disgusting anymore. It's only disgusting when you can't really clean it thoroughly. So therefore, as a as a part of this, we come back to our halakha case. So practically speaking, you have a party. The kid's made in it. He, you know, he's being party trained. And now it's full, so you want to empty it out. So you take out the insert from the party and you empty it out. The question is, could you bring it back? Isn't this a case of graph where the halakha tells us you have to fill it up with water before you bring it back? And the answer is, it is, but it's not. It is a graph It is a bucket that's made for waste. But unlike the case of the Mishnah or, the, excuse me, the Gemara or the halakha, where you actually have to fill up with water and bring it back, over here, you don't have that problem. You know why? Number one is, it's, cleaner. Most of the parties, I don't know of any the other way, they're made out of plastic. The reason why I say most, I always try to protect myself. I don't like to say something and people will, hey, you said, okay, most of the things of the parties are made out there are made out of plastic. Plastic rabotai is very, very easily cleaned. It doesn't stick, things don't stick on it. It's not like wood. It's not like earthenware where things get stuck on it. So therefore, in such a case where your potty is made out of plastic and you empty it out, you give it a run under the, the, the faucet, you wash it a little bit, and it's clean. There's nothing there. So you're not care although it's made to put something, but it's not disgusting in itself now. And therefore, you can bring it back and even if you don't put any water inside of it. Besides that, besides that, you have another heter to be able to bring it back. What is that heter? The answer is, the heter is, Something called Kavod Habriyot. Gadol Kavod Habriyot Shedohe Lotase. Says the Gemara that Gadol Kavod Habriyot, the respect for people is so great they can even push a Lotase. What does it mean, Lotase? Over here, not a Deoraita, but it's a Derabanan. Meaning, like this. There's such a concept that we find. You gotta be careful. You gotta be careful how you interpret my words over here. I'm being very careful to say what I'm saying. And I'm giving a warning that whatever I say is what I meant. Do not derive out of my words anything that I did not say. If you're unsure or if you're hearing something in my name, and make sure you double check it. What I what the Kaboda Briot means that out of respect for people's dignity, there are certain times when we may do an isud de banan to avoid disrespecting a person's dignity. Okay, let's give you a very good example, which is our subject. They have a case of elderly people who cannot go to the bathroom, shame more, right? They get to an age, they can't get up, or people are very, very sick and they can't get up, and they can't walk all the way to the bathroom, and you know, it's very, very common. It doesn't have to be only in the hospital, it could be sometimes in the house. 
And therefore, they have a special bucket, which they use, you know, to go to the bathroom. It just makes it easy for them from the bed, or they just have to slide off the bed a little bit. It sounds, you know, they don't have to travel so far. So let's say you have such a bucket. So now it's filled up. Obviously, you're not going to keep it in the room and go throw it out. So could you bring it back? And the answer is yes, even without filling up with water. You know why? Because out of the person's dignity. No, you have to wait now till the guy has to go very bad. What if he has to go very bad and he can't wait? And then he's going to have his own make on himself and be create a disgusting situation. Same thing will be applicable for kids. If you don't have the bucket ready at all times, and let's say you couldn't find water, whatever it is, if you don't have it ready at all times, what's going to be with that kid who has to make? And he's being potty trained. He's, he's not wearing any diapers. You know what's going to be? It's going to be all over your living room. That's right. All over. You might step on it, take it to the backyard, take it to the front yard, take it to shul, take it to your neighbor's house. It's going to go all over, you, you would, whether you realize it or not. So therefore, it's, it's, where's, the, where's the dignity of the persons or the people in their house? So because of that, Hachamim allowed you to do, or they put on the side temporarily the Suda Rabbanan of Mukseh over here. So out of Kabod Abriyot, we find sometimes, this is one example where this halakha is found, but it's found in many other places. But this is one example. We got to be careful how to apply this deen. As you can see, it's very, very scary. A per, you know, when, when the hakamim speak about a person's dignity, sometimes a per, you know, it's, it's pretty much custom-made. For somebody who's very, very, very hashub, maybe for him, yeah, we might allow goyim to do things for them that otherwise would be asu for another person. So it's not something that we regular people could go ahead and decide Yes, it's Kabbalah Biyot, not Kabbalah Biyot. This is something that the poskim, people who are into halakha and they know the whole spectrum of the Shohan Aruch and they know how to apply it. They could use that. They could apply and tell us when to apply this deen of Kabbalah Biyot. In our case, we, the poskim permit the bringing of the party back, even without water, out of Kabbalah Biyot that the kids or the elderly people should not make a mess all around the house. That is halakha darit. Halakha hey. One more thing regarding Graf Sharei, and we're done. I promise you. Well, that's it. We're not going to go back to this specific halakha. Halakha tells us that in Graf Sharei, I'm not going to read it inside. In Graf Sharei, it's forbidden to create a situation which will cause it to become a Graf Sharei, and then afterwards have the hitter to do it. I mean to say, you can go ahead and, you know, pile up dirt. So this way it now becomes repulsive to you and now you have the hetet to bring it and throw it into the garbage. Remember, grab shirei, anything that falls in the category of grab shirei, it's automatically mutar for you to handle in the normal way. It's not mukseh. The halakhot mukseh are removed, pushed to the side to allow you to remove grab shirei. Right? Now, when we're here to create a situation which is going to be a grab shirei, that is asur. So the Gemara talks about for example, a person piling up dirt or if a person is sitting down next to a drip to create a graf shari, all different types of cases, the Gemara brings down about the issue of creating graf shari. Rav Nisim Karitz, Shlita in Huchani, he explains that this is only talking about things that are not done on, on a regular basis. Meaning to say, if a person is doing something absolutely normal, which is eating, and as a result of eating, he's having, you know, shells, and, and pits, and he has peels, and all these different things, that when they pile up, they will be disgusting. That's not an issue of creating Gav You don't have to actually peel, for example. Let's give you an example. Eggshell. If a person is, you know, shelling an egg. So a few pieces are not a big deal, but when you keep on shelling an egg, what's going to happen? The pieces that pile up, is going to be disgusting. It's all dirty, and doesn't look good. So... Do you have to remove the eggshells and directly throw it into the garbage? Because if you keep it next to you, it's going to pile up, it's going to look disgusting. Then afterwards, in order to clean it up, you have to pick it up with your hands. So he just told me, I cannot create a situation of Shadai. So in this Carlos explains, this is only talking about when a person is creating something that is not normally done. Meaning, eating. Which is a person normally eats and therefore, when you're eating and the way you eat is by shelling and putting the shells right next to you. So even though it's going to create a grab it's not the isur that the hakimim were talking about. Oh, you're going to ask me, the Gemara brings a case of Rabbi Asheh. Rabbi Asheh in those days. 
Okay, not nowadays, not to be charged nowadays. He was eating uh, what seemed to be olives, and then he would spit out the pits behind him. Nigmar says, why? He didn't want to pile up pits in front of him because if he piles up pits in front of him, it'll become disgusting. And eventually when he cleans up, what's he going to do? He's going to pick it up with his hands and it's going to be mutai because graf shaday, yeah, but who told you to create graf shaday from the beginning? So therefore he decided to spit it behind him. Poskim bring down that that story of Rabbi Asher was a humrah. Rabbi Asher was mahmir. Also, such a thing that a person has to spit it behind him, it's not applicable today. It's not like those days, you know, yeah, the guy would actually chuck things behind him and it wouldn't be a big deal. The rabbi who had who would spit behind him, it's not a big deal that things should pile up over there. And nowadays, if it's not a graph shirai in front of you on the table, it's a graph shirai behind the couch. Besides the fact that there's bugs and everything, so it doesn't make a difference either way. No, you do not have to eat your cherries and spit out the pits in the garbage directly. No, you do not have to go out of your way to throw out the peels so you shouldn't avoid creating graf shirai. Says of Nisim Karalitz, if you're eating in a normal fashion and as a result, a graf shirai is created, it's not the issue of creating graf shirai. And in all cases, even if a person has created a graf shirai, which is a to all opinions, and according to all opinions, even in such a situation, everybody permits it to be picked up afterwards and to be thrown out. So now, Here's a common case which usually happens. You have, let's say, seven people eating on the Shabbat table. Yeah, you know, seven is the number of Shabbat. That's why I picked seven. Okay. So you have seven people eating on the Shabbat table. They're done. So the plates have to be picked up, right? You ever see how the ladies pick up the plates or even uh, the guys pick up the plates? Does, does that mean that only ladies pick up the plates? Or even men, it's a mitzvah that they should pick up the plates. In my house, I also get up and I pick up the plates. I'm pr- proud to say that. It does not take away from your manhood. Men, listen up. Ladies, uh, you could uh, you could tell your men to listen to the halakha hour and they'll learn a little bit. Anyway, so now you ever see how people clean up the Shabbat table, the plates? You have leftovers on each guy's plate, so it's a big it's it's a big tirha now. A guy, it's a it's a big burden. Pick up one plate at a time and take it to the kitchen. So what do they do to make it easy for themselves? They take all the plates, they pile up all the leftovers on one plate, and then they stack up the plates and they put that plate on top of them and they carry it over to the kitchen to be thrown out. Question is, is it mutat to do such a thing? Because what am I doing? I'm creating a disgusting situation. I'm picking up all the leftovers from each person's plate and I'm piling up and I'm creating something what seems to be a grab shanari when I could easily avoid it by just picking up each plate and going to the kitchen with it. Why should I make a whole big pile? And especially that the heter of grab shanari is that once I, I have to get rid of it, I have to, you know, it's not a clear heter. I have to try to get rid of it as soon as I as much as soon as I can. Why should I increase over here the graph shari pile it up, pick it up first of all, and then pile up somewhere else, and then pick it up from there and throw it out again? So again, Rav Nisim Karelitz comes and answers and he says, that is fine to do. You don't have to be mahmir and you have to pick up each plate and take it to the kitchen. Because either way you're picking up the same amount of muksi. So if you like pause for a second to pile it all up, just to make it easier for you to carry, it is not a problem to do so on Shabbat, even, again, to pile up all the leftovers on one plate and to carry it all, over, all together to the kitchen on one plate, it's mutar to be done. Now, there is a midat hasidut. Up to now we spoke about din, halakha. Midat hasidut. Yes, there is such a concept. Don't think that it's nothing. If a person wants to be mahmir, and I got a guy who, he, uh, he said, Rabbi, can I text you for halakha questions? I said, yeah, no problem. A lot of people text me. So he said, how do you answer people? I said, listen, it's a quick yes, no, maybe. You know, I, I don't have time to sit and explain. You want to sit and explain? You got to sit down with me. And I, gotta, I don't have time. Yes, no, quickly. Mutar asur. So he says, do me a favor then. When I text you, give me the most stringent opinion. So there are people out there that love to do hamrot. And that's Sheikh Israel. And like we said before, just make sure the hamrot are your hamrot. Don't throw your hamrot on other people. In any case, there are people who like to be mahmir. And you should know, there is such a concept and there's such an anyan. And tabu ala biracha for a person who wants to be mahmir in this area. What's, what could you do? There is such a thing of not even putting in front of you any pits of fruits. Like we said of Asher, would spit the pits behind him. So that means there is such a concept if you want to peel an egg or you want to peel seven eggs to actually peel directly into the garbage pail. It's much better. 100% it's better. Do you have to? No. You can do it in your normal way. But 
Is there an anyan? Ladies, if you're in the kitchen and there are four ladies and all, they're smoozing, they're talking. One lady is preparing the egg salad and she's cracking the eggs and the other one is peeling the fruits and everything else. And you see one lady going over and she's cutting up the oranges and she's putting the peels directly into the garbage. Don't look at her as a mishugana. No, she's not a... No, she's, she's doing lechatchila. She's doing lefikola de'ot. There is a midat hasidut. It's definitely praiseworthy to do such a thing. Okay, we will stop over here when it comes to the subject of Graf Sharei. We'll move on out now to the next halakha in the Benish Hai, in halakha Vav. Halakha Vav might seem to be a very insignificant halakha because it doesn't apply in our days, as you'll see in a second. But you should know there are a lot of halakha that will come out of this. Let's begin. Halakha Vav says, it's a Shuhana Ruch, really, Mefurash. It says about a person, and let's just give you a background a little bit. In those days, in their days, we didn't, didn't have, you know, you walk into anybody's house today, you have three types of floors. Either it's marble, either it's wood, you want to call it parquet, whatever you want to call it, or it is carpet, pretty much. Yeah, some combinations, of course, but pretty much that's what it is. It's either tiles, you want to call it marble, you want to put plastic, whatever it is. It's either tiles, it's either wood, or it's carpet. In those days, in olden days, it was very rare to find houses which were tiles. You see, Khalifa and Halakha, most houses were not tiled, were not marble, and certainly not wood or anything else, Not definitely not copper, but they actually had dirt. The floor was dirt, kind of like your backyard, right? When you have grass and dirt, maybe you didn't have grass, but they have dirt all over. So now, a lot of times, when there's waste, it's very hard to clean it, and there's a whole... Uh, on how to clean those type of floors if you can on Shabbat. In any case, a person sometimes will have dirt and everything else. So instead of cleaning it, you do what the little kids do when uh, when today when they make a mess, right? I remember, how do we clean up our, our rooms when we were younger? We were told, you know, make sure your bedroom is clean. So of course, we took our pajamas. Instead of folding it, we just tucked it under the bed. We had a problem, we tucked it under the mattress. We had a bigger problem, we tucked it under the bed. As long as you don't see. What you don't see doesn't hurt you. Like, we kind of lived that way as little children cleaning up our rooms. And Baruch Hashem, our kids follow the same thing. I tell my kids, clean up your, your rooms and sometimes you see, you know, <laughs> you didn't really clean up. You just tucked it and you threw it into the closet. You threw it under. So in those days, if they had some dirt, and dirt means to say waste. Let's say somebody threw up or let's say somebody, uh, the kids, you know, who were being potty trained had an accident. So what they would do is they would actually have a pile of dirt that they would use to cover up those things for, I don't know if it was temporary or it was permanent, but that's what they would do. So Lachat tells us in those days, a person can bring, now dirt, as a side point, not a side point, but this is a halakha, dirt, what's the status of dirt on Shabbat, as far as Mukse is concerned? Where would it fall in? What is it? And the answer is, dirt is Mukse Mohamed Gufor. It has no purpose, it has no use by itself. So in those days, they would take dirt, and they want to use it on Shabbat, you can't just use dirt on Shabbat. You have to designate it. You have to take it before Shabbat and put it in a certain spot or pile it up in a certain corner of the house with the kavanah that you want to use it for whatever you want to use it on Shabbat. And then it will be mutar. Then what happens is what we were learning about in the last few weeks, and that is you transform the muqseh Muhammad gufo into a klis Why? Because you did it before Shabbat and now it's not dirt anymore. Now it's used as a cover. And that's mutar to be done on Shabbat. Excuse me, that's mutar to be done for Shabbat if it's done before Shabbat. Now, there's a question. We have dirt in our houses. You know where? Not talking about outside in the backyard. Anyways, that's for sure. Nobody's using it for anything. And there's nothing I could think of that you would want to use it on Shabbat. But you know where we have dirt? We have flower pots. You know those flower pots with dirt in it, especially that the kids bring on Shavuot? So could you move those flower pots on Shabbat? Or do we say, no, this it's dirt, it's mukseh. And mukseh, wherever it's in, the item that's holding it become, has the same status. So that's our question. Could you move a flower pot on Shabbat or not? So the halakha is as follows. Let's think about it. It's a flower pot, right? What's in it besides dirt? There's flowers. What is the purpose of the flower pot? And the answer is, it's there to display. It's for display. I have flowers on me. It looks good. It gives a different feeling to the room. So if I'm using the dirt 
excuse me, if I have the flower pot, which is there for display, it's not just something that my kids brought in and it's, you know, just sitting there just, oh, wow, it looks beautiful and really doesn't, you know. It's really there for display and it looks good and I'm using it to beautify my house. So it has a function which is permitted. It's there for display. It's no different from your china, more expensive, but it's no different. It's there for display. So it has a status of Klishim Rechtol Eter. So to, to move a flower pot on Shabbat, when the flower pot is being used for decoration or for display, it's mutar. However, you must be aware of the following four things. Number one, if the dirt falls out of it, then the dirt is mukseh mahmad gufo. Because the dirt itself, you're not using to beautify your house. You're not using it for decoration. So it comes back to being graf. Excuse me. It comes back to being a mukseh mahmad gufo. Could you pick it up? Could you clean it? Yeah. When? What's a graf today? So it's a little bit, a little bit of dirt, which is not so bad. You can't pick it up at the end. You may be able to, you know, with the broom, you may be able to dust it away with the broom. But to pick it up with your hands, you're not allowed to. Unless a lot of a significant amount of dirt that fell, which is clearly disgusting on your on your on your floor, then you can even pick it up with your own bare hands. Another important halakha, very, very important halakha. We're not aware of it so much because you know we don't think that way. Um, there's an isude right of Zorea planting. Planting includes even to allow anything that to grow. So if you have a flower pot, poskim bring down, and it's outdoors. Moving it outdoors, whether to move it from your backyard into your house or moving around in the backyard, you are running into problems of zorea. So therefore, in such cases where you have a flower pot with real flowers, with things that are actually real growing from there, and it's in the place which, which has dirt, whether it's your front yard, backyard, it doesn't make a difference on your balcony, you cannot move it. You can, this can only move, the flower pots can only be moved on floors that are tiled, carpet, or something it's not going to be able to nourish from the ground. I cannot go into more detail on this. It's too long to explain. But just keep the halakha in mind. When the flower pot is outdoors on a non-cemented or not wood floor, like a dirt floor, it's sewer to move it. Next. Another thing that you should know about, it's not really to be aware of, but this halakha only pertains to the isu, that means, that we just said, only pertains to real flowers. If you have flake, fake flowers, that's fine. They're not growing. It's all oh, but there's dirt. Dirt is part of the look. It's all part of the same look. You know, So you put you have the flower pot with dirt in it, and it's fake flowers. It's fine to move it even outdoors. And one last thing, and that, that people should know about flowers. We find the halakha tells us the rama in siman jin lamidvav. There's an isur to put flowers in water, according to the Ramah. Although some disagree, Akamadiyah, for example, brings poskim this way, that way, and he comes out that, of course, a person should not put flowers in water. However, when they're completely open, although you should avoid it, still, if it's completely, but the flower, you know, have completely opened up, then those who put it in water have what to rely on. So therefore, a flower vase with real flowers and water, is not mukseh, because it was there from before. And what do we use flowers today in the vase for? For decorating the house, to make the house look better. So it's a heter. A flower vase with flowers could be moved on Shabbat. A flower vase, or excuse me, a flower uh, bouquet, or whatever it is, anything that's being used for decoration, it's mutar inside the house, like we said. Okay, now that we spoke about dirt, in the olden days, you have to know in order to understand the next halacha, or understand what's in the connection, besides dirt, they would also have other things that they used to cover up the floor, and that is sand. Sand, you know the ones that you see on the beach? Yeah, the same one, they would take it and they'd use it to cover up the floor. So now sand is really Muqsim Ahmad Gufo. It has no purpose in itself. But since before Shabbat, you're using it in order to to cover up the dirt in the house, or you designated that in case there is dirt, you'll use it to cover up the dirt, then it has a deen of it has a deen of So that brings us to the following question. Could a person use a sandbox on Shabbat? Is a sandbox sandbox mutar 
on Shabbat because it's a Klis Heter, or is it not? Maybe it's sand, it cannot be used. So now, before I come to, you know, get to the halakha, let me explain what a sandbox is. It's a box, usually made out of plastic. If you're ashir, you make it out of something more sturdy, or you buy it that way. And inside of it, there's a lot of sand. It's not a beach, but it's a lot of sand. And the kids use it for all different types of playing. They make castles out of it. They make all different types of things. That, some just like the whole feeling of it, that you sit in and you feel like you're cool, you're on the beach or whatever, it's 40 degrees outside, but still, you know, they like playing with it. So, what's the hit, the halakha? Is it mutar or not? So, there's actually a mahlokit on this amongst the two big Ashkenazi poskim. Shemirat Shabbat Kilchata brings down the following words. I'm saying it exactly in his words and then we'll understand what he means. He says, That's all he says. You do not have to stop the children who play in sand, which is dry and it's very fine, that was prepared from before Shabbat for this purpose. From the words of the Shemirat Shabbat, I quote in Hebrew on purpose. So we should understand that. Oh, you know, I don't want to say, No, no, he doesn't say that. Listen to the words again. We learned three things the way he worded his halakha. Number one is that it was it was something that was prepared for this purpose of playing with it from before Shabbat. And therefore, if you bought a sandbox, obviously you wanted to use it for, you know, you want to use it for, for a game. Obviously, nobody buys a sandbox for that purpose. As opposed to, as opposed to sand on the beach. Sand on the beach is not prepared for that purpose. People play with it, but sand on the beach is there, whatever the government decides to put it there. So if you're going to the beach, of course, kosher beach. I'm not talking about the other ones. That's not soon anyway. You're going to a kosher beach, nobody's there where you have no forbidden looks. In any case, you're going to the beach, sand is mukseh. Does, does that mean you can't walk on sand? Sand is mukseh means they say you can't pick up sand. You can't play with sand on Shabbat. Even children, even children. Why? Because you have a hayub to train your children in halakhot. Right? If your children pick up a phone on Shabbat, you tell them, ah, Shav, Shabbat, Shabbos, put down the phone. So same thing, they pick up sin. We're not talking about babies, we're talking about kids that understand. So you got to tell them, it's mukseh. Like anything else that you teach them, it's halakha, it's asur. So yeah, keep that in mind. Number two, the words from the words of the Shemirat Shabbat Kedekhatah, when he says, in limhot, it doesn't sound like it's lechat hela. It doesn't sound like it's the best thing. As long as you see kids playing in the sandbox in your backyard, fine, right? As opposed to the beach where you have to stop them. Over here in your backyard, listen, it's made for a toy. Yes, it's fine. Also, it says bayladim. Adults can't sit there and play together with the kids. Because really, why would it be a problem? Why would it be a problem? Because the Huchani explains that really, it's not a hetev. To a sandbox is not mutar. He disagrees. He holds it's asur. Why does he hold it's asur? Because what do you do with sand? Don't matter the toy sand. What do you do with it? You build with it. How do you build with it? You put water. You mix it with water. You form it. You make a castle out of it. Sand by itself doesn't doesn't do anything. So therefore, since the main function of sand is really something that's asur on Shabbat, which is what when you combine water with sand, that is a problem of lash. Lash is kneading. Kneading is not only limited to flour and water, which is how you make a dough. Lash is also anything that mixes together and makes many different units into one. That's also lash. Over here, you take water, you pour it on top of the sand, and what happens? It mixes all together. Now, of course, it's asu to do that on Shabbat. It's asu to put water. But the Nitzim Karalis explains that since the main function of the sandbox is for the purpose of forming things, so therefore, a sandbox becomes a sur, even on Shabbat, even for children. And he's all said it. So those who have a sandbox and their kids are playing with it, if they're a little, very, very young, anyway, they're too young, you don't have to, you know, under five, and that's fine. You don't have, anyway, you don't have the hayub to train them. But if they're a little bit older, it's not the best thing. If you can find something else for them to do, fine. But if you can't, really, really can't find something else for them to do on Shabbat, yes, you don't have to stop the children on their own. But of course, for the sand or the sandbox to be handled by an adult, that is a sur that seems to be the whole Now we're talking about 
playing in sandbox, we're going to a very, very touchy subject. And that is the subject of balls and toys on Shabbat. What is the deen? Let's begin very, very simple and we'll try to clarify as much as we can. I hope we have enough time. Begin with the words of Shohan Aruch in Siman Shinhet Halakha Memhe. Listen to the words of Shohan Aruch. He writes like this, very simple. That's all he tells us. It's forbidden to play on Shabbat and Yom Tov with a ball. Comes the Raman says, But there are those who permit it. And the people have accustomed themselves to be lenient to play with a ball on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Now, most people understand, and that's the way we grew up. It's about, look, it's Faradim Ashkenazim. The Sfaradim are looking on to how the Ashkenazi are playing ball on Shabbat and the, little, and the, the, the Sfaradi children are saying, ah, I wish I could be Ashkenazi just for that. Wait, Pesach's coming around. Maybe it's not worth it. Anyway, but that's not what most people understand. It's Mahlokit, Ashkenazim, Sfaradim. According to Ashkenazim, you can play ball on Shabbat. According to Sfaradim, it's not to play ball on Shabbat. Question is, why? Well, what's going on? Why is Maran Oser? Why is Maran forbid playing ball on Shabbat? And why is Raman Matir? And also, is this an Isur across the board? Can we find an exception even according to the Svaradim? And also, when the Ramaz Matir, is this something also that he's Matir in all times? That's what we're going to delve into. Maran is Osir. Like we just said, Asul Sahik. He doesn't tell us the reason Shohan Aruch, but in Bet Yosef, he quotes one of the Rishonim known as Shibole Halekit, who quotes from his brother, and he, and he brings down the words, and he says two reasons why Ball is Asur on Shabbat. Number one is the balls are dirty and disgusting. They're always in the mud. And therefore, it doesn't have any sort of function, doesn't have any sort of use. You can't use it back in the olden days, right? They didn't have covers for pots, so or maybe they did, but the covers break. So, like we said, they were they would use anything, you know, to make there was no such thing as broken items. Broken items were transformed to something else. So he says, you can't even use the ball to cover up your pot. You can use it to cover up things because it's disgusting. So it has no function at all. And that's why it's mukseh. That's one reason that he brings. Another reason, which most people neglect and they don't look at that reason. Bet Yosef tells us a second reason why balls are asur. He says, you know why? There's a midrash in Echa. And midrash is found in other places as well. It says there was a place in Eretz Israel known as Tur Shimon, And it was destroyed. The Midrash says, why did it get destroyed? Do you think it because of Zenut? No, it wasn't because of Zenut, says the Midrash. You know why Tur Shimon, the mountain of Shimon, got destroyed, says the Midrash? Amazing. Look at the line the Midrash says, because they played the ball on Shabbat. And this is found also in Yerushalmi, the same Midrash. So therefore, what seems to be from the Beit Yosef, you have two reasons to be Oser, two reasons why a ball is forbidden on Shabbat. Number one is, it's disgusting. It cannot be used for anything. Number two is because that's uh, how Tushimon was destroyed. It was due to ball playing on Shabbat. The Ramah, so where's the Ramah coming from? And the answer is the Ramah, who follows Tosafot, he goes with the opinion of Tosafot, who allow the carrying of a ball on Yom Tov in the street. That's fine, you can even carry on Yom Tov. There the discussion over there in the Gemara was it is it mutar to take a child into the street to carry him? Was it, uh, you know, for the sake of a mitzvah, to take it for a brit milah? And Tosafot says, no, you can even carry him, even just to walk around. If you want to stroll around on Yom Tov, when there's no problem of carrying in the street with the child, it's mutar, just like bulls also, we carry them in the street. So it seems like, from the Tosafot, the bulls are permitted on Shabbat. And that's the opinion of the Ramah. He says, especially people are mekel, people are lenient already, like the opinion of the Tosafot. So this is the reasons why it's Asur Muta. So it comes out, that the only reason why bulls are asur is only according to the Ashkenaz, to the Svaradim. Only according to Maran, not the Ramah. So now we want to know, within the opinion of Maran, what would you say to bulls in our days? Today, our bulls are very clean. You look at the bulls, a soccer ball, or things, although they play with it, but in general, it's pretty clean, especially when it comes fresh from Walmart or, or whatever, sports stores, right? And you look at the ball, it's fresh, it's clean, especially, let's say, balls that are used indoors, like a ping-pong ball, right? They're not dirty. And not only they're not dirty, they're made for the sake of playing. 
Would the halakha change? Would the status of balls change? Would Maran say in our days, balls are fine, they're not say? And the answer to that is, you guessed it, mahlokit. It's a mahlokit between the ahronim. It's not a sfaradi Ashkenazi thing. The question right now is, how would, what, what would Maran say? Based on the reasons that Maran has given us, what would he say about balls in our days that are clean? So you have on the side, on the people who are matir, I'm going to tell you first the opinions, and I'm going to tell you their reasons. The side that's matir, that say that even Suhan Rukh will agree in our days, it's faladim. even then, both should not be muksa in our days, because they are clean, and they could technically be used for covers. In the name of Shlomo Zaman Orbach. Shbut Yitzhak, in the name of Eliyashiv. Shebet Halevi, brings it down himself. And Hakam Obadiah and Hazan Obadiah, Quotes the Shbut Yitzhak name of Eliyashiv. He just quotes it, which seems like from the style of Hamabadiyah, if he's quoting it, sounds like he's going with it. Those are people who are Matir. The people who are Oser, the people who, per, who still hold it's forbidden, is the Orletzion, Acham Ben Sion Abashaul, Ramosh Levin Menuhata Haba, the Hutchanir of Nisim Karalitz, and it seems to be also from the Hagahot of the Ish Matliah that he is also Oser. So the question is, why is there mahluk in our days as well? So the ones who permit it hold, that since they're factory made for that purpose. The balls in their days were like, you know, when we were younger, we used to play with the pits of the fruits. We used to use it for balls. It wasn't made to be a ball. We had to make it into a ball. And it was disgusting. It was all over the dirt. In our days that they make balls speci specifically for this and they're much cleaner, technically used as a cover, right? So it's fine. Balls are not mukse. However, the ones who are oseh, they say, one second, this. Hold on a second. You're only looking at one reason why the tor why Maran was osir the balls because they were disgusting. Read the second reason. What's the second reason? Hakam Bezion says there's another reason why the Maran was osir. What is that? Tur Shimon was destroyed because of balls. Sounds like Maran holds that even if it's clean, it's going to be asur. Why? Because it caused the the Tur Shimon caused a big city to be destroyed on Shabbat. Must be there's a humrah, there's a severity with playing ball on Shabbat, and therefore, since you can't play ball on Shabbat, it's going to become mukseh. More than that, if you look into the source of Maran's words, which the Menuhat Abad does, and that is Shibbuleh HaLeket, I want to read to you the words of Shibbuleh HaLeket. Shibbuleh HaLeket says, like this, he says, My brother of Yehuda explains that the balls, Abal Elua Kadurim Shalanu, our balls, it's not even called a kli. It does, it's not called it as a function. Why? He says, The fact that you thought about playing with it doesn't make it into a kli. So it comes out that according to Shibboleh which is the source where Maran brings that's a sur to play ball on Shabbat. What does he say about balls on Shabbat? He says, balls are asur because playing does not is not called a function. Usually we say, what's its use for? In Muqsa, we always said, you always have to look at an item and say, what is it being used for? To say that a ball is being used to play, playing in itself is not called a function. That does not turn something halakhically into a kli. You're right, it's a utensil, it's an item that's used. But to be used for playing for Shabbat does not turn into a kli. In fact, this is exactly what the Magen Abraham and the Shabbat bring down on the words of Maran. When Maran says, Asulis Ahik B'Shabbat, Vyom Tobi Kadur, you know how to play with the ball on Shabbat, Mishabrah and Magen Abraham explain why. Because the fact that you want to play with it doesn't make it into a kili. So, in summary, the reasons why the balls are forbidden, even nowadays, when they are clean, it's because they're not considered a kli. The act of playing is not something that makes an item into a kli. However, that's because it's playing. But when an item is made just to keep kids quiet, let's say you have those small balls, people don't play with it, but it's, kids use it and they, when they take it, they get quiet. They're crying or whatever, they get wild. You give it to little children, very, very little children. They're not playing with it, but they're just you know little babies I'm talking about, toddlers, infants. So when they have this ball in their hand, that's not called, that's already like a pacifier. That's something that you give to the children to be quiet. That kind of ball is fine. But the balls are made for, let's say, basketball or, or like baseball, catching with it or kicking it or all these things. That form is to play with it. That's not going to be able 
to make it into a kli. Okay, so what do you want to tell me now? According to the people of Osir, according to Shuhana Ruch, based on the Olitzion and the second people that are Osir, even bulls in our days, I have a question. Two the bulls in their days were disgusting. You couldn't use it to cover even your pots. But nowadays that the bulls are not disgusting, why can't we say that we're going to designate it to be used for something permitted on Shabbat, and therefore we're going to transform it from Muqsim Ahad Gufo into Klis For example, I have an Etlati Daim cup, right? And, you know, Lechatelai is supposed to cover it. So I want to use my soccer ball now to cover the water that's in my Etlati Daim cup. I can do that, you know? So what can I say? I'm going to designate before Shabbat the soccer ball in order that I should use it to cover my Etlati Daim cup. And in that case, my soccer ball now transforms into a cover. And it covers mutar on on Shabbat. And this way the bowl will not be mukseh. So why are you saying it's mukseh? Let it be like any other stone, which when I specify, I okay, I designate it for a case that's going to be mutar, it's going to remain mutar. I'm not talking about that you designate for playing. Playing, okay, I understand you. Playing, you're telling me, is not good enough to qualify as a kli. But I'm going to designate it for a cover. And the answer is, we also learn, in order for you to transform something that's mukseh Muhammad Gufo into kli's maktol heter, it depends if it's commonly used that way or not. If it's not commonly used that way, and now you want to transform it that way, you have to be mehaidit le'ulam. You have to give it a permanent designation. So if you want to say that your soccer ball will not be as a cover to your nitlati daim cup, you have to make the soccer ball into a nitlati daim cup cover forever. It doesn't work that it's going to be just done for the Shabbat. If you want to do it forever, fine. But in that case... The soccer ball must always be used as a cover. You cannot use it for a cover one Shabbat and then go back to using it as a soccer ball during the week. So therefore, really, it doesn't solve much in your designation because why would somebody want to buy a soccer ball to use it as a cover and then it's going to remain as a cover? So obviously, it's ridiculous. It's not going to work. And therefore, we come back and we remain that the soccer ball would still be or other balls would remain mukseh according to those who are forbidden. Are they matirim? Of course they are matirim. Regarding those who are matirim, we have a lot to say and we don't have the time to say it because we're running out of time. We have only a minute or two left. Next class, we will discuss the bowls again. We'll review what we just said and then we'll elaborate on those who are matir bowls because of Muqseya on Shabbat. We'll elaborate what their true intention means course quoting books and everything else and till then we'll see you next week if anybody has a question and you would like to call into the station you could call in now off the air it's 718-683-5858 the text in your question or comment is 347-927-8398 this class will be aired on again tonight at 10 p.m we want to give a thank you to iran Ravnissim, and the whole jroot radio staff for your great work Continue it and Hashem should bless everybody. Have a wonderful week. Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you next week. Rezat Hashem. Wednesday afternoon here on the Haka Hour on J Root Radio.